0: Don't look now. Jays have won eight of their last nine games. Hot. The Jays are hot. And the show is rounding back into form. Austin's back producing. Jobo is back. And in classic, classic, classic fashion, Joe already wants credit for doing nothing.
1: <laughs> oh, my like, goodness.
0: Literally that sat down. And went, I didn't break the biggest rule of the show, which is, Start ripping the top topics at JD in the green room right before we get going on Don't the show. Do the show in the green room. Like thanks, Joe. <laughs> so sick. You were able to keep your mouth shut for ten whole minutes. It was very difficult. Hey, buddy. It's very difficult. Hey, round of applause for you. Good job, Joe. It was a, it was a very difficult. Good job. job. <laughs> it's great to have you back, kid. Where were <laughs> it's you? Good to be back. Cottage. Cottage. Yeah. 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 How was that? It
1: was good. I was getting eaten alive by yeah. mosquitoes and deer That's flies. That's your big
0: report back? Yeah. Mosquitoes it at was, a lake. The worst. Nice. It was the, worst.
1: the the deer flies, man. Family cottage. <laughs> family was great, though.
0: Yeah. Maybe people like their families more. I feel like for <laughs> me, I, uh, a night at the cottage <laughs> with my family, you know? A night. <laughs> Maybe two. Maybe two. A week like you did? No. No, 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 no. Cannot do lot. it. No, cannot do it. I'm a little <laughs> groggy today. It's like a Monday grogs I got going on. Jays are hot. I'm going to talk to Ben Nicholson-Smith about them in a second. Uh, I started watching quarterback on Netflix. Mm. Good start. Good start. I, I just I am curious how they got the three quarterbacks. Because it's Mahomes. Yeah. You go, holy. You go, Kirk Cousins. All mm-hmm. right. And then it's Marcus Mariota. It's just oh, come on, poor Mariota. No, but I'm wondering <laughs> if they did it because they wanted to have three very different storylines, or if those were the only three quarterbacks that would do it. Because right. this, to me, is an awesome series. Obviously, Netflix doing more of these things. Like they did the F1 series, then they did the golf series. They've done the, what's tennis is called full swing. Full swing. What? Breakpoint. No, what's it called? Full swing. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Either way, exactly. Full, they, yeah, exactly. They're doing all these series. I really hope the football one takes off mm. because I I love Hard Knocks, but this is kind of. a... Uh, This is kind of a refreshed view of Hard Knocks, a little bit different. Give me some of the best players in the game. Give me some of the quarterback perspectives. There's something weird about I love watching quarterbacks watch film (laughs) with their coaches. I could watch that all day, where it's just guys going over the tape and learning the playbook and sitting there with the backup quarterback. There's something about that content that just it does it for me. It just, it, it clicks with my sports brain. I sit there and I watch that and I go, yes, mm-hmm. this makes me happy. And getting to watch Patrick Mahomes do that and Kirk Cousins do that. It was very enjoyable for me. So yeah, there's some lameness. There's some cheesiness so far. I'm only a couple in. Right. But I really, really, really enjoy the idea. And I really hope that it extends. Anyways, a lot of Jays. Yeah. Eight and two in their last 10, by the way, Rays three and seven in their last 10. And guess what? The Rays are still, I think seven games up. The Rays so,
1: are seven games, six games ahead of all right.
0: the Jays. Right on. Yeah. It's a thing, though, now. <laughs> it's a possibility. <laughs> it's not what it was, what, a month into the season where it was a complete write-off? Yeah. And all of a sudden, the Jays are game and a half up on the now-also-hot Red Sox mm-hmm. and the freezing-cold New York Yankees, who stink. They're three y- games
1: ahead of the Red Sox and the
0: Yankees. Yankees, absolutely right. Yeah, sorry, of course, because those guys are a game and a half back of the wild card, yeah. which is... Where Houston sits, mm-hmm. Jays are in two hole. Yeah, Jays are sitting pretty. All of a sudden, after this nice little run, and so uh, big couple series coming up. Padres, a more you know serious baseball team than some of the ones that they've beaten recently.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not a good. We're not doing the face of the game conversation anymore between Tatis and Vlad Jr. Though, that was once a thing. These it are the was. two faces of baseball. Uh. Uh, not so much. Nice win at the home run derby for Vladdy and then did the classic I'm using all the home runs for BP. <laughs> you won't see any home runs in the game practice. I will hit the home run balls. Hit home run on the
1: weekend. Yeah, I will fair. hit the
0: home runs. Yeah, I will hit so many home <laughs> runs now, but it was, uh, but it was just it, it was nice to watch the Blue Jays actually score runs. The bullpen has been red hot all of a sudden reused down in Triple A, and Yeah, he better strike suckers out in AAA, but didn't walk anybody in his appearance. I think he got close to 70 pitches. The plan is for him to go to 80 in the next outing. There's some optimism around the Blue Jays, not including anything to do with, you know, Mitch White or Alejandro Kirk, but the rest of those two guys, other than those two guys, things are feeling good. So yeah, Ben Nicholson-Smith at the letters, MLB insider and Janus analyst joins me now. What's up, brother? How are we doing?
2: JD, I'm doing well. Uh, good to be talking some Jays with you.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's start with this. What are you most optimistic about from the weekend? Is it the offense or the bullpen?
2: Uh, it's got to be the bullpen. I mean, they were they were great. With the exception of Mitch White loading the bases um, yeah. to, to round out yesterday's game, uh, the bullpen was incredible. And you think about, okay, they don't have their ace starting pitcher. They don't have their closer. So mm-hmm. they're going to need to rely on their bullpen this weekend. Against a pretty good Diamondbacks team. They didn't look good, but still on paper, a pretty good team. They've, you know, came in 10 games above 500 in first place. So in those circumstances, you just wouldn't be sure what to expect, but they really stepped up. Guys like Jimmy Garcia stepping up. Nate Pearson was great Friday and Saturday. Tim mm-hmm. Mesa just throws basically one pitch and then gets out of that jam. Swanson was really good all weekend. So I, I think that. The Jays, as they move ahead here, have to feel really good about their bullpen. And, of course, you're going to look for upgrades. Of course, you know, maybe there is a way to improve on a guy like a Mitch White in that bullpen. But, man, they are in a pretty good spot with their relievers.
0: Yeah. Um, going into yesterday, the bullpen ERA was 5th Their K per nine, which is this is the most shocking of them all because we, we've we talked at nauseam about how these guys don't have enough swing and miss in the bullpen. And I know Nate Pearson changed that to a degree. And then with the way that Tim Mays has been pitching. But yeah, third in all of baseball, K per nine, and then walks per nine. They're first, they're not giving any free passes. It's a really, really good job that this bullpen has done lately, and it has been a bit of a quiet story. And so, yeah, it, it makes the most sense to kind of highlight them, especially no Romano coming out of this thing. But yeah, I I don't, like, you're right about the upgrade thing. Of course, there's always going to be shopping around. You can always potentially add a name. But given the resurgence of Richards, the way that he has just completely bounced back, the way I feel now about Nate Pearson, the way I feel now about Tim Mesa, the uh, the fact that they, you know, they're going to have a signing coming back into the mix for this bullpen. Like, I think it's, it's safe to say right now from my vantage point, it, it's the lowest of all of the priorities heading into the deadline, which is kind of shocking to me, given where this front office has been with building this thing the last couple of years.
2: Yeah. And you just think about the standard, okay, contending team. You're always looking for bullpen help. You're always looking for rotation help Mm -hmm. and the blue Jays, you know, of course you still have to stay in on those areas, even with Manoa now back in the rotation Mm -hmm. and Ryu coming back, you know, there's still the Gosman question and there's still the need for depth. So you're, you're going to check and see if there's a way to acquire some sort of starting um, pitching help with the deadline and the same with the bullpen, because even with Chad green, coming back. And even with Jay Jackson now emerging and this bullpen looks really good, you still need to be in there in case someone trips on a dugout staircase in 10 mm-hmm. days time. And you need to know what the market is. So, you know, at the same time though, for this rest of this season, and even now we're going way ahead, but even looking ahead to next year, next off season, I mean, mm-hmm. this is a team that's pretty well positioned from a pitching standpoint where they have five starting pitchers. They have a bullpen that's in place. This deadline and even this offseason, it's really going to be about adding bats for the Blue Jays.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, By the way, we've seen like the Gossman stuff. I watched you and Arden talking about it over the weekend just on TV. And it seemed like, hey, they're just being overly cautious. Like, all right. Now he's not pitching in the next series either. I'm like, all all right. We're still as confident that this is just kind of a nothing overly cautious situation because they have time. They can use it.
2: Well, they'll they'll end up giving him at least two weeks because Mm -hmm. he last pitched on the Saturday before the All-Star break, and he obviously didn't pitch this past weekend, and by the time he pitches next, at the earliest, it'll be next weekend against Seattle, so that'll be a nice little two-week break. I mean, that's pretty much an unofficial IL stint, as it is. Um, We'll see if he ends up needing a bit more time, obviously. He's been able to throw on flat ground at Rogers Center. So that's a good sign. He hasn't been throwing a bullpen session yet. Um, So still some strides to go there for Gosman. Um, But they are leading us to believe that they expect him back at some point pretty soon.
0: Mm, Okay.
2: And then what about Romano? Same thing? Yeah. And he's saying that he's been able to, um, you know, progress, you know, so he's, I think in a good spot, I would expect that he pitches at some point against the pod race.
0: All right. Then, you know, I'm going to get into basically all the rehab guys here, just since this is what we're doing. We, we like the Ryu stuff has been very public. And so I don't know what kind of mystery is left there, but I am kind of curious what you think is, you know, his role is going to be with this team. but you mentioned Chad green, and he was always bound to be the, Hey, he's the actual deadline addition to the bullpen. This is someone who does bring swing and miss. This is someone who has pitched within the division, someone who I've like always been a huge fan of, but he's been like the news around him. If we're talking about him versus the other three guys, or even Ryu who's been gone all year, it's been, it's been far more quiet. What's your understanding of where Chad Green's at?
2: So he's he's in Florida physically, and mm-hmm. he's working his way back. He's throwing bullpens and live BPs. Um, he hasn't been in games, so they haven't started his game clock, which to me says he's behind Ryu. I mm-hmm. mean, Ryu is actually uh, progressing pretty quickly right here, even to the point that you kind of wonder if they needed to do something with uh, Gosman, if Gosman needed another week and he had to go on the injured list. Would you call up Ryu and start him against the Mariners? I mean, I don't think that, right? Like, I would. I don't think it's the craziest thing to consider that, um, you know, just given how well he pitched at AAA on the weekend. So I think Ryu has to be your insurance behind Gosman there, which speaks to how quickly he's been able to come back from Tommy John. And Green had Tommy John basically the same time, but he seems to be on a slower timetable now once he does get to the point that he's in games it probably doesn't take all that long like once he's in an actual minor league game he could be in a major league game within two weeks but he hasn't been in that minor league game just yet so that to me says he's probably more than a couple weeks away
0: so i thought this the story of this weekend for sure along with you was the bullpen it was just yeah to do that without romano and have everybody come in and look great other than again mitch white which i'll say it again because Boy, that, uh, it's just, yeah, it's frustrating to watch him pitch and realize that the Jays actually gave something up for him. But I thought the story of the weekend was the bullpen. It was nice to see the bats come alive and actually give them some room for error, especially even, or sorry, even though a lot of it was late in ball games, you're like, who cares? It's not, you know, when it happens, it's just, does it happen at all? It did. But now this week that we're going to pivot forward into, to me, is going to be all about the starting pitching. Because you have Manoa's next start against a more difficult opponent than throwing him out there against the Tigers and saying, hey, these guys stink. Go mow them down, which he did. He he totally exceeded expectations. I don't want to take anything away from him. He looked great. He, he was in command. Awesome, awesome, awesome. But this is another step. He hasn't fully earned anybody's trust back yet, right? Like, we need to see what happens with Manoa. We need to see what happens with Gossman's injury because, yeah, it seems okay-ish. It doesn't sound like... It's dire straits. He hasn't been put on the IL, but it still is going to feel a lot better once you actually see him out there back in the rotation. And then the other guy is going to be Ryu where he pitches one more time down to triple a and he keeps doing what he was doing, which was, I think five punch outs and one walk, right? Only, or no walks. Did he walk anyone?
2: I don't think he walked. Anyone, yeah.
0: Maybe he didn't walk. Anybody bro- gave up a bomb, right? One solo shot. That was the big moment against Ryu. but otherwise looked like Ryu. They're building the pitch count back up. But yeah, if he looks ready to go, I don't know I don't know how you don't start mixing him back in and saying, yeah, let's see what he looks like at the major league level. So yeah, and then you add to on top of that, the, the last component of this is out of all the rumors that are circulating around the Blue Jays right now, the names that are starting to pop are starting pitchers. We've seen the link to Marcus Stroman over the last 48 hours where there's been a couple of different reports that the Jays are hot and heavy for him. And then I even saw their name linked to Jordan Montgomery, which I thought was kind of interesting, but yeah, I think that this week is going to be about starting pitching and, and the blue Jays trying to piece together what they look like heading into the deadline.
2: Yeah. I think that's a good read. I think that's a good read for sure. Um, And there's a lot of, a lot of moving pieces there, right? When, when you start with Ryu and, and he did not walk anyone. He struck out five Mm -hmm. in that outing on the weekend um, for, for Buffalo. So, it's either his last Triple A start or his first major league start this week. You would think. I mean, once he gets mm-hmm. to 85 pitches at Triple A, you're not going to keep him there. I mean, it's. It, I think they would bring him back after that. So you got Ryu Manoa, like you said. I mean, he needs to continue building his. You know, beyond the results, his delivery looked better, his confidence, his demeanor on the mound. All of those things look better in Detroit. He, you know, talking to him afterwards, he really seemed to be in a in a really good headspace. He seemed to be. Uh, feeling really good about the outing so all that's positive but he needs to build on that against San Diego and that's not an easy offense even though this team is struggling so you know you add on to that Gosman's um, you know questions around his his health Um, I think you're you're right to say that this um, rotation is really going to reveal a lot about itself this week and you know the trade stuff you know as I said they have to be in on on the market for starting pitchers, I would be really surprised if Marcus Stroman um, pitches for the blue Jays this year. I just, I, I just would be really, really surprised uh, for a number of reasons. Um, But, you know, of course I, you know, you see those rumors and it's always interesting, but I, I would be very, very surprised. You want to go through those reasons beyond uh, the prospect depth? Sure. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, so there's number one, right? Like Uh he's going to be very coveted. um, And, the Cubs are going to have their choice of a lot of teams. So there's, there's reason number one reason number two is I actually don't see starting pitching as the most pressing need. So even if the blue Jays are going to survey things and be thorough, I don't see starting pitching as you know, when they have potentially six starters, I don't know that you need to go out and get a seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, this is pretty significant too, but I, I just don't see Marcus Stroman being the guy that the blue Jays pursue like I they know each other obviously really well and I Mm -hmm. I think that Strowman still has some fondness for Toronto Mm -hmm. he obviously still has some connections here ultimately the front office is going to prioritize winning they're not gonna they're not gonna be sitting there thinking you know oh do we it's not about whether they like the guy or not it's about whether he can help them win and Marcus Strowman can help any major league team win games but we're still talking about someone who you know, when he was when he was traded out of Toronto, like that day, you heard shouting from the clubhouse like it was something acrimonious was going on. Like, yeah, it, it was not a
0: good departure.
2: I don't know who was shouting at whom, but I was standing outside the clubhouse that that day and I heard shouting when he was traded. And then Marcus Stroman was walking out of the clubhouse. Myself and a couple other writers are trying to talk to him. It was his last, um, you know, moments in Toronto. And he just, you know, walks right past, you know, d- does not uh, talk to the media that day. And look, it's an emotional day. Mm -hmm. You know, these things happen. Um, But um, yeah, I just personally, I don't see it. So, you know, we'll see. I I would be very, very surprised. Yeah. The only way that I could see it is if the Jays
0: were moving one of their starters back to Chicago. And that doesn't make any sense because there's no guy that makes sense for Chicago that Toronto owns. Right. Right. Like, that, I'm
2: sure they'd love Manoa, but I don't sure, think but, the Jays are going to do that. Yeah,
0: that's what I mean. That's a non-starter. You're not trading Manoa for, yeah, you're not trading big Manoa for little Manoa. You know, like, it's just not happening. <laughs> it's just not yeah. for older Manoa. You're not going backwards with that one. So I don't really get it. But I will I will say this. How much of these next couple weeks do you think, like, the Ryu factor, the Gossman health I'll, let's say to a lesser extent, too, the Bassett health, and I, I know the broadcast talking about rubber arm and all this different stuff, but Arden was mentioning how he was a little banged up going to the all-star break, and I don't know how much that's improved or something that can improve. Plus, what Manoa is going to do is actually going to shape how aggressive they get with that market.
2: So, yeah, I I, I just... The starting pitching market?
0: Yeah, like, let's say the best-case scenario happens, where Manoa starts to look like himself over the next couple of weeks, and we're like, oh, crap, Manoa looks like he's back. Is there something that he can do, essentially, in two weeks to convince the Blue Jays that they don't need to go out and address this in a meaningful way? Same thing with, like, because obviously if Gossman is hurt, then that changes the parameters. If Bassett is hurt, that changes things in terms of how aggressive they have to get. Hard to imagine that there's anything Ryu can do in two weeks. But it feels like Manoa has to be the biggest part of all of this that I'm talking about when it comes to like shaping their deadline plans with starting pitching.
2: Yeah, because you know ultimately it seems like they have the numbers right now. So you want to have some confidence that you have the top of the rotation guys. And I think you know when healthy, he's an ace. Barrios looks like a really solid number two starter. And you know beyond that, you need one or two others um, to make your way through the four rounds of the playoffs that you're going to have to win if you're a wildcard team. Um, mm-hmm. which, um, which I do agree, by the way, that the AL East needs to still be the target for the Blue Jays. Six games out, I mean, that certainly um, is a lot more appealing than playing a wild card series, so we'll see where that goes. But as for Manoa, I really think that if he can show them in two starts that he's able to stay within the strike zone, um, attack hitters in the zone, um, repeat his delivery, and just stay in that fluid, athletic attack mode, then you're talking about someone who will be an effective, you know, let's let's not say an ace, but let's say a number three, number four starter. Like that's a better than a back of the rotation guy. And I think that's within his realm of possibilities for the next two weeks. And that would certainly help the Blue Jays as they move ahead here.
0: Yeah, I just, I can't imagine them taking what few assets they have. And, and that remains the thing from everyone that I've talked to is no, there's no surprise Guys in the farm system right now that other teams are just coveting on mass. They've got the same names that we've all heard, and yeah. So the idea of them being in on the Stroman type still doesn't feel overly realistic. But are, are you starting to get a sense of maybe some of the other Jays targets that they are looking at?
2: I think it's pretty broad at this point. I think it's mm. really broad. I, mean, I remember last year this time you know, they were looking at relievers and then the list of names that they had was about 70 names, um, Hmm. 7-0. So, I mean, I would expect a similarly broad approach this year. I think that that's where you get reports that, you know, they've checked on a Marcus Stroman because, uh, you know, this is a front office that is is certainly very thorough. I I think they'll be equally thorough when it comes to the relief pitchers um, this year even with that being less of a need. And I think they also need to be checking on bats. I mean, it's pretty clear that this team, you know, when they're DHing Alejandro Kirk, um, mm-hmm. when Brandon belt is your primary D H um, when you look at the bench, uh, you know, on days that a Kevin Kiermaier has a stiff back, for example, um, you know, you just start running out of bats that you really want to use. And I think that it's, it's clear that a switch hitter or a right-handed hitter would be the best option for this team. Um, but, Alejandro Kirk going into the season, I think, was a logical candidate to DH when he was a silver slugger winner and mm-hmm. had come off such a great season. But, you know, you look back at what he's done in the last calendar year, mm-hmm. he's a 239 hitter. He's got a 316 slugging percentage. He's got seven home runs in the last calendar year. That's not a guy I want DHing. And Alejandro Kirk's still an important part of this team. But if I'm the Blue Jays, I'm trying to find other guys who can DH along with Brandon Belt because even if Belt continues being as great as he has for the last few months. Are you sure that he's going to be healthy? You know, are you sure that you can't upgrade over an Ernie Clement or a Nathan Lucas on your bench? Like they have to find a, a position player. Uh, they have to find a bat this deadline.
0: Yeah. I think that they've got to find two. Um, the, the interesting one with Kirk to me is okay. For sure. They need the DH right-handed bat, right? That's just very clear. If you say what's the number one need of the blue Jays, that's it right now. Like to me, there's no question, but Kirk over the last month. And I know we have the full calendar year of bad Kirk. But his OPS in the last 28 days is 256, Ben. Like, yeah, he's unplayable at this point. And, and I'm starting to wonder if we're not just entering the territory of, hey, Kirk's going to lose DH at bat, so they're looking for a DH. Do you think that they could be in the mix for a catcher? Like, ironically, after an offseason that was all about, hey, the Jays have too many catchers, the Jays are going to shop a catcher and they trade Moreno. Like, is that one of the ways that they can improve this team is looking at that market?
2: Yeah, it could be. It could be. I mean, I, I think it depends on who the catcher is, because I, I do think that going into next year, you gotta, you know, you work with Kirk in the offseason, you're still optimistic that at, at age twenty-five, whatever he'll be, he can bounce back from this season. You know it's in there, you know he has the bat-to-ball skills. But if you can get someone this season to help you out for the course of the next couple of months, then that could help you. That that could make a difference. And Sal Perez obviously is the big name. Um I don't see I think he has 3 years of control remaining. I don't see him being a fit, so you know maybe it's maybe it's a much smaller addition, smaller scale addition, but I don't think you rule that out at this point because you you have to be open minded. Having depth at catcher is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um you know it's you're one injury away from playing Tyler Heineman and Alejandro Kirk, right? If Danny Jansen were to take a foul ball off a forearm in the wrong s- spot, right? So Danny, not exactly you know, Cal Ripken that, Jr. either right so you know i think you gotta you gotta explore those those options to me i'm probably starting in the outfield the catcher wouldn't be the first place i would look but yeah you could be open to it yeah i just feel like you have to be at this point like
0: kirk gets up and you know there's not gonna be any extra base power and then even if he does poke one of his singles which is getting rarer and rarer what he's the worst base runner in the entire sport like he's got to be there with with, like what miguel cabrera like who how many guys are on the list that are below him so he gets up and he's like clogging up the base paths. And you're like, what, what is the, the point here? And, and everyone's made like the discussion about how his defense has improved. I'm like, all right, great. But he's not a gold Glover behind the plate. He's still not your primary option. Like Danny Jansen is Danny Jansen is your best defensive catcher still. And so at some point here over the next couple of weeks, like if we're talking about stuff like, Hey, what can Alec Manoa show? to make sure that the Jays don't need to be a little bit more drastic when it comes to what their starting pitching depth is going to look like. I just have to feel like catcher is is growing in terms of import. You're right. I'm with you. I'd love to see the outfield bat. Um, I just want to see the DH. Shulman was on here last week and I I, I agree with his position, which is they need a right-handed Brandon belt, like an older guy desperate to win who grinds out at bats, makes pitchers work for it and can draw a walk. Like that would just be perfect. But if you told me right now today, hey, what's the number two thing that this team needs? I would say it's it's catching depth.
2: Yeah, it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt. I think as it stands now, with the roster that you do have, Danny Jansen needs to be catching like four or five days a week. Exactly. Um, and, and that's a big workload know, for him, man. It is. It is. And, you know, we're still you know, two and a half months of regular season baseball away from the playoffs, and then you have a full month of playoffs if you're going to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So that's a lot of baseball left, and that's a lot of wear and tear. So you really do need to be sharing that, and that's obviously why I'm not saying seven days a week for Danny Jansen, but he's just hitting Mm -hmm. so much better than Kirk right now. And, you know, Jansen, you know, same same sort of look for him, right? Last calendar year, he's got 19 homers and a 788 OPS. Mm -hmm. So this is a guy who's really consistently been a very good hitter um for for the blue jays including in some big moments uh, like yesterday with that three-run double so you feel great about danny jansen um i I think if kirk is catching manoa let's say so he's in there once every five days maybe he's you know DHing or pinch hitting beyond that once in a while um because he's still a good pinch hit option if you need a single um you know i I think i think you're okay with that i don't think you need to desperately go out there and try to add a second catcher If, if kirk's catching a couple days a week that's totally fine but I think that you you definitely need to be out there looking for bats. Um, a right-handed Brandon belt would be great kind of like a Steve Pierce who they traded away five mm-hmm. years ago to the Red Sox yeah. and, and obviously went on to be you know the World Series MVP but they need to find this year's version of, of a Steve Pierce. yeah God that was they got Espinall back in that trade right That's yep. what,
0: how that worked out right and it wasn't I'
2: flip it this year.
0: Yeah. Trade Espinal away, and yeah. then you get a new Steve <laughs> get Pierce. A new Steve Pierce. God, that Steve Pierce run, I will never forget watching him at first base do the splits over and over and over again and just pick balls going, wait, what? And then him get just extremely hot and carry Boston to that World Series. I do still believe, though, that the writers were like me, going, we don't want to fully admit we were so wrong on David Price, and they did give it to Pierce. It should have been David Price. He should have been World Series MVP. But either way, man, that was one hell of a run. Do you know who – like, who is that Steve Pierce to you right now? Because, like, I had Morosi last week. We were talking about it. And he strangely mentioned Bellinger. And I, I went, I don't I, – I can't see another lefty bat right now for them. And I just don't yeah. know where he plays or who he replaces. But he did make the point of this front office is a group where if they target someone, they're like – they return to the scene of the crime, right? Who was the pitcher that was yep. just in town not too long ago? Is it Heaney? Andrew Heaney? Yes. Yeah, where they were like – Yeah, I turned the Blue Jays down again. (laughs) My wife went, don't you feel bad (laughs) turning these guys down year over year? But that is a little bit their M.O. And I don't know if that's uh, the exact same with every front office. I'm sure if you like someone, you don't stop liking them immediately. But, yeah, have you seen any of those names out there where you go, oh, you know what? The Jays liked this guy. And so don't be surprised if they circle back around when it comes to the deadline.
2: Well, I do think it's a good point by Morosi that they do tend to circle back, right? And Kevin Gosman would be proof of that when you think about how many times they tried to acquire him before they actually did. Um, I don't see Bellinger personally, just because I think they are much more likely to target a right handed hitter. Um, but, you know, you look around, there's not a ton of, of great right handed hitters out there. I do think, like, where I gravitate is the Mets, and I, you know, there's seven games under 500 right now. We'll see what the next couple of weeks bring for them. You probably can't make that mm. trade today. But I look at Tommy Pham and, you know, he's 35 years old. He's got a 271 batting average and 823 OPS. He's stolen 10 bases. He's got nine homers. Mm. That's who you want to me. Like, I would not be surprised if Tommy Pham in the course of August and September goes and hits 10 home runs or, you know, leads his team in home runs. He might, the way the Blue Jays are going with not very much power from Springer and Vladdy and kirk and you know varsho and a lot of these guys that we thought might have a bit more power this year tommy fam might hit more home runs than anyone on the blue jays in yeah. the course of the next two months you know it's it's possible i'm not saying it's likely but it's possible and so i think that would be a name that i would point to
0: yeah i like that name that's ennis's name too uh, he's starting to get a little bit of popularity here and i think one of the reasons you like tommy fam is the same reason that i like danny jansen which is i just believe in clutch and I'm doing this with you before we we pivot to something a little bit more, I don't even want to say serious, but what, what is your, like, you're a real baseball guy. You know, you're not me who's just watching on the couch, having fun, you know, having a beer at the Rogers Center going down there. But I really do believe that Danny Jansen is him, as the kids say, where he steps up in a big spot. And despite him not being one of the team's best five hitters, I go, this is great that you're here right now. We wanted you here right now. And I know that maybe some of this is a bit of recency bias considering that he's had two massive hits like in the last, what two series, three, yeah. Two series or three series. But yeah. What do you make of it when you say like someone is a clutch hitter and like, how much do you put faith in something like that?
2: Well, you know, I, I kind of think Danny Jansen is one of the Jays' best five hitters right now, which is maybe a good thing or bad thing depending on how you want to spin it. But mm, um, yeah, that made yeah.
0: me I, that made me feel both ways. <laughs> where I went, you said it, yeah. and I
2: went. You know what? Yeah, yeah, he might be. And then I went, yeah, that's a, the best. That's what he wanted. <laughs> yeah. Um, as for the as for the question of clutch, I I think it's John Schneider's definition of clutch to say that it's doing the same thing you normally do just with higher stakes, and I, yeah. I kind of like that definition because I, I don't think that you know, Derek Jeter, for example, or David Ortiz, pick your clutch player in baseball. I don't think they necessarily did anything different mechanically or with their preparation. And the results were like Derek Jeter hit singles in spring training and he hit singles in May and he hit singles in the playoffs. And, you know, it adds up to an amazing, amazing career. Um, And and David Ortiz hit hit home runs in spring training, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think that Danny Jansen is basically doing the same things um, that he normally would do. I think the clutch is real. I think a lack of clutch is real. I think the pressure is real. Um, I mean, it is real. I mean, players talk about getting nervous. Players talk about, you know, the, the mental side of it. There's definitely a skill to handling that pressure. And uh, sometimes it's experience. Sometimes it's, you know, you've been there before and Derek Jeter played in October every single year. So it became kind of normal for him. And I have no doubt that that helped him. Um, So, I think that there is a difference. Like some players are not good at handling the stress of trying to perform in a huge spot. And some players are good at it. But I think the guys who are good at it basically access their their May 15th mode and Mm -hmm. they are just consistent in accessing that.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. The only part of it that I think is underrated, and I don't know how much of this Danny Jansen has right now, to be quite honest, but is that when you're someone who doesn't let the moment get to you and you're competing against someone that can get to them. So you start to build that reputation yep. up and, and I think that part of being clutch and that leveling effect is that it might rock the person that's pitching to you, you know, yep. or the hitter where they go, "Ah, oh, man, I know this person's not going to make a mistake or I know this person's not going to give me the easy out that I'm going to have to battle through this and that mental wear and tear. I think that that adds into the clutch that the person's ethos that their reputation it, it actually has an impact on these games. It has to like, it, it has to, if you've ever like done anything, played golf next to somebody who you think is kind of clutch and you're close and you're tight with it, you're thinking about stuff like that. You're like, ah, that this person's not like going a mistake. Who's likely to, to make it me. And that affects you. And, and I know that that's like, Hey, you're not a pro athlete mentality, but I, I think that extends to everybody. I really do. I think that's all walks of life kind of situation. You're just around people where they know they have that confidence and you start to doubt your own self. And I think that maybe Danny Jansen starts to develop a little bit of that just as a a tough out as a guy who's going to make you work for it. Um, Okay. This one, this one's a little, I'm ending on this one because I couldn't start with this, but it is a story out of the weekend for me. And, And I pitched it even on Friday. I led my show with it. So the Jays sweep. Awesome. They beat Arizona. They, you know, whoop them up. They get the three wins. That's by far the most important thing. It's an overall positive weekend, but this is the team that you made your splashy trade with in the offseason. And Varsho comes in and he actually gets an RBI uh, to end that game, but he doesn't start cause it's a lefty pitcher and they decide, all right, we're going to give you a day off. And it's like the guy that you got for set free in free agency, Kevin Kiermaier is also an awesome outfielder defensively. Like I know that he's not leading him in defensive runs saved or whatever. Like that has been Varsho and Varsho has been healthier, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But Kiermaier has been a stud against left-handed pitching and Varsho just cannot find it unless it's essentially that drag bunt or he's using his speed to get on. And yeah, Gurriel, like Moreno hits the bomb. Gurriel has two hilariously spectacular plays in the outfield. We always knew he had the arm, but the one diving play was especially beautiful. And, you know, he's piecing hits together. And, And I couldn't help but leave the weekend thinking about the optics of the Varsho trade today. And, yeah, how we're feeling about it, especially as Varsho, like, has started, uh, yeah, July, not exactly red hot after a much better June. Yeah, like, what do you think the Jays are expecting at this point? Because there's been a lot of discussion about the, the pressure that he puts on himself. But this, this isn't the guy at the plate that the Jays were expecting. We thought there was going to be more power. We thought that there was going to be more on base. You know, how, how does this turn around for him?
2: Yeah, it's been it's been a tough stretch, right? Like you think about four for 33 in July, like he's basically done nothing at the plate for this uh, last couple of weeks here. Um, And he's been underwhelming at the plate all season long relative to what he did last year, relative to what kind of potential he had. So um, where it goes from here, I I think he still probably projects as an average or slightly to above average hitter um, with some power who can play really, really good defense and make good decisions on the bases and, and be a really fast base runner for you, um, who overall just impacts the game in a lot of different ways and is a really good ball player. And I, I think that that should be the expectation for Varsho. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly expect that of him. Um, I, I think that he can be an, an impact player for the Blue Jays for the next few years. Mm-hmm. It just hasn't looked like that right now. Um, so, you know, I look at the the trade as a whole and I think... The Diamondbacks did well. This is obviously a trade that Diamondbacks should be happy with, to have Moreno there, to have Lourdes Gurriel Jr. having an all-star season before he hits free agency. All Mm -hmm. those things are good for Arizona, but I I don't think that makes it a loss for the Blue Jays. I don't think that they're necessarily a better team with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno still in this organization right now. I think that Varsho's defense has made a big difference, and... You know, like if put it this way, and, and and like I'm kind of considering this for the first time as I ask it right now, but if you could go back and just snap your fingers and undo that trade hundred percent part would. of two thousand twenty
0: you you would nope. do it? Oh yeah, like I wouldn't even yeah, like you couldn't really? even finish the question. Of course I would re- undo it. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, it's and a why, it's a so nightmare why would the trade. We, uh here's here's why, and this is this has been my point all along, is those assets at the time. And I've heard from some people that Moreno was not as coveted as his baseball America ranking, right? That some teams had some doubts about the power and blah, 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 that he just, he might've been the blue Jays, number one prospect and guy that everyone fell in love with here. But ultimately his value was not extraordinarily high. But to me, it's like you, you, you don't judge a trade based on even necessarily like, first of all, I don't want to hear about like years of control. Like that's nice, but we already did this with this front office a couple of years ago, and I do think that it's something that does tend to get overvalued, especially considering where the Jays are at in their competitive window, which is, hey, we want to win a World Series right now. Like, we've got two years with Vladimir and Bo here left. It's World Series winning time this moment. And to me, I just look at it and go, if the, the, the projection all along was to get an outfielder who can play defense and run the base as well— then you got that in Kevin Kiermaier. Like, that's gettable through free agency. That's not something that you need to trade your top prospect and another good outfielder for who's having an all-star season. And so, like, yeah, defensive run saved, awesome. G- base runner, awesome. I love watching Dalton Varsho run. Like, truly, I mentioned this last week. He, he's just—he's a football player playing baseball. It's so yeah. fun watching him crash on the wall. I really like the guy. I want the guy to perform well. But for you to trade those two assets, especially given that – There was a couple of years of indecision about whether or not to trade Lourdes Guriel when he had control and going, yeah, well, we're trying to win now and he's a bat. So you kind of trade him at his lowest value and just throw him in as a chip. To me, it's like asset management. You get an F. It's an F of a trade. Lourdes might walk. It might only be one year of control. Yes, you're right that the Blue Jays might not be appreciably better, although I would argue that given the way that Alejandro Kirk is playing, I would love to see Moreno be able to steal that bats from him right now. Or you go, Hey, you know what? Throw him in there. You have the righty bat. It's like, what's the easier thing to get at the deadline right now? Is it a bat that can hit home runs for you and drive in big runs? Or is it a guy who plays defense and, you know, has an OPS of what is it now? 640. Like I I just, to me, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a no brainer. I'd go back and redo the trade just because I'd want to have the assets to do something different with it.
2: Yeah, really interesting. And, you know, that's that's a reasonable take. I think that, you know, if someone looks at that trade and says they would want to go and undo it, that's that's fair. Um to me, I actually think like you're trying to win a World Series right here. Mm-hmm. I think Varsho can help you win a World Series. I think you can he can be starting for you in October against really good right-handed pitching, and he can mm-hmm. play nine innings and he can play great defense and he can run the bases. And, and do some of those things better than a Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And I'm mm-hmm. not trying to be like an apologist for the front office here when I say No this one thinks because, that. You know, they've made bad trades, right? You mm-hmm. want to talk about Mitch White for Nick Frasso? Yeah. That's a bad trade. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't think that, you know, Varsho is a really good player. And I just won't be surprised at all if Lourdes goes in one of his cold streaks and he is a 650 OPS. Here he has. Varsho goes Last month. And, and, right. Right. And, and, you know, he looked really good this weekend, but that can come and go. And I'm not projecting Varsho. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, what if he goes out and hits, you know, 15 homers the rest of the way? What Mm -hmm. if he just goes out and he's a league average hitter, which he's been, his whole career he has been a league average to above average hitter. If he just does that, just replicates where he's been for his career, combined with his defense and his base running, Mm -hmm. he instantly becomes a very good player.
0: Yeah, I think he is a very good player. And and I think that two things can be true here where you might want to have him versus those two guys down the stretch in terms of who can be more valuable to you. I still think having the two guys, especially since like what we just outlined was, hey, what do the Jays need? They need a right-handed bat who can drive in runs and and catching depth. It's it's hard for me to see the value of those two guys as more than what Varsho is going to bring you, especially given like the skill set that you need to go out and get Varsho. But yeah, to me, the main thing that will always that I, I won't let go of is I don't think that the Jays traded for Varsho thinking that he was just going to be an average bat. I think that they thought Agreed. that there was going to be more to uncover there and especially with the power and that, you know, when we were having discussions in the offseason, and I don't mean you and I, I mean like uh, the baseball community at large or the Blue Jays community at large. It was, boy, these guys are moving the fences in and there's this power alley at the Rogers Center and Dalton Varsho is going to rip so many home runs over that wall. And it's like, you know what I see a lot of? high heat going to Dalton Varshow and him just whiffing on it in horror. It's like bad at bat. Didn't even put some contact on it. Didn't advance the runners. Like, where is he for you? Cause he's pretty high for me.
2: Well, and you're right that there is seemingly a hole in his swing. Yeah. Where he can be pitched um, in, in that way where, you know, it's high heat. Um, oftentimes up and in, and yep. uh, it's not looking good. Um, <laughs> not to me, like it, you know, uh, yeah, it, it hasn't yeah. been good. I almost like as we're talking about this, though, like that for for some reason, watching hitters strike out doesn't frustrate me. Like it really doesn't bother me. What bothers me is watching pitchers walk guys. Which, as you said, you know, Mitch White, like you're in, you're up five runs, you can't walk the bases loaded. You can't no, do that. awful. It's just you can't do that. That frustrates me. And then, what also frustrates me is, <laughs> I know this wasn't your question, but I guess I'm just yeah, no, let's do it. Let's do it. This, do it. this is what we do here. This is what we do here. Let's just keep going. Keep but, going. Uh, <laughs> so it's also when they make unnecessary outs in the bases. Oh yeah. Why? Third like, in baseball. This team, like, it, it, you know, I know they went into the season they think we want to be aggressive on the bases. We want to, we want to push it. Okay, great. <laughs> so you realize maybe this is May fifteenth. You realize, oh, we're actually pushing it too far. And so we actually should slow down. We let Kiermaier do his thing. We let maybe Merrifield once in a while do his thing. But basically, we're actually going to be a bit more cautious on the bases. That should have happened on May 15th. Why no are kidding. we sitting here on July 17th talking about, oh, George Springer got thrown out twice, caught stealing this weekend. And Santiago Espinal uh, is is out there getting thrown out on on the bases unnecessarily when we just saw earlier that same game Mm -hmm. lourdes grow junior throw show off his arm i I just think this team as a whole needs to get it together on the bases and stop giving away outs because they are not they are an older team they are not as fast as they think they are and Mm -hmm. they need to start reining it in a little bit yes one billion percent I like. I've tried to
0: do the. Why does the Blue Jays season feel more frustrating than it it normally should for a market that isn't like uh, this? Is the Blue Jays are not the Dodgers, right? Um, but they have been feeling like I would say the most disappointing teams in baseball this year. Mets with a bullet by a million miles. Mariners have been super disappointing. But I think if you if you pulled like fan base happiness and right now excluded because now they're red hot, so people would be kind of chill about it. But there's that feeling on the surface, like all of this is very tenuous with the way people feel about the baseball team. I said, number one is definitely the division thing is being in a wild card, especially at a way team wild card after what happened last year. I don't think that blue Jays fans are feeling so great about it, but yeah, the other thing is what was the identity of the team supposed to be? It was like this mature gutty team and to have be third in major league baseball and outs on the bases like that is just so unbelievably unacceptable for the mandate of this off season. So you're right. Like for you as someone who is told this and who watches the game closely and, you know, doesn't get wrapped up in the day to day. Like me, was looking at the like larger picture. Of course, that's the, one of the most frustrating things. Like, of course that's so frustrating. And yes, the Espinall one against Gurriel where it's like, that's your teammate for years. You know, that's how he got gold glove uh, consideration is because he's got a cannon for an arm and you tested it there. It's like, it just it feels like absent mindedness at times. And that, yes, I think as an observer, a fan, whatever, when you feel like someone isn't putting attention into detail and not caring, which is what that is. Like, yeah, that's the number one criminal offense. No doubt about it. You're right.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it can be really frustrating to watch. Now, as long as we're talking about base running, I will shout Vladdy out because I think his slow slide in the second God, that base was sexy wasn't. An- it was an all timer. Yeah, right? it was like, awesome. That was yeah. If they had a Hall of Fame for slides into second base, like that would have been the yeah. first ballot. It Gorgeous. was so good. I know it was, and it's like one of those baseball categories that you think like it's not even like like you know oh, best pitching performances, like best home runs, best, like you don't even think about it. It's not something you don't go to the game thinking you want to see a nice slide into second base, but man, Vladdy just like created a new category right there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. By the way, Jobo puts these videos up on YouTube. You better put the slide there on YouTube. All right, Joe. 1,000%. All right. Good job. All right, Benny. Thanks for making time today, buddy. I always appreciate it. Thanks for the perspective. And again, go listen to Ben's podcast at the letters. It's excellent. Subscribe, review. Watch them on TV. You see them everywhere. Right now on sports.ca. Ben Nicholson Smith. Talk to you soon, buddy.
2: Thanks, JD. Have a good one.
0: All right. Um yeah. You put in here per baseball savant, Kirk is in the first percentile of sprint speed. Yep. So yeah.
1: First percentile. He's as
0: low as it goes. <laughs> low as it goes. So yeah. Um the two things there. It's just it is it is kind of funny that those are the two areas that the Jays could improve on, which is a righty bat, mm-hmm. like Guriel. Although I would argue that, yeah, I want the tougher, more consistent out. And then a catching, like, they would love some catching depth right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I understand the bat-to-ball stuff with Kirk. It's clearly still there. I get that you don't want to give up on this player, especially, what is he, 24, 25 years old? He's still young. Yeah, he's 24 years old. Mm -hmm. But if I'm looking at ways to improve the depth right now heading into the deadline... I want to see what Manoa does over the next two weeks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's got to look himself because you do have to be a bit more desperate for starting pitching if he starts to just walk everyone on earth and becomes unplayable again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's clearly the right-handed bat. I love the Tommy Pham idea. The people pitching that around, I go, yep, a guy just like that would be great. But then to me it's does a catcher come around at the right price? Is there a catcher that can improve your depth where if the Kirk thing continues this poorly – you can at least have a defensible replacement because Heinemann is not that you're never going to go to Heineman, but maybe you want to go to somebody else. Anyways, quick break. Best bet, by the way, Friday, three for three on the tweet <laughs> yesterday. I had the under in the blue Jays game nightmare beat, absolute nightmare <laughs> beat. Anyways, quick break. Let's come back. We're doing pod only today. The fan. So yeah, I mentioned it one perfect day gambling on the Friday took Saturday off. I went out with some buddies Friday night. I was in no position to be doing much on Saturday. I barely, barely made it to the couch to watch the Jays game. we supposed to go. It was not happening. It was completely out of the question. The second I woke up, I was like, <laughs> yeah, no, this is not happening. But I do like a couple of things today. So follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JDBunkus, and I'm going to post my bets there uh, like I've been doing lately. So keep sharing them, keep liking them. Uh, always encourages me to end up actually sharing more picks, more bets. Okay, so I'm going to do podcast only today. And got a bunch of stuff. You guys, some of your topics today I really like. But my own topic is going to be the better one, which is... All right. People are talking about the NHL midseason tournament. Like, sh- should the NHL do one? Like, should the NBA, their idea just get straight up copied by the NHL? And at first I hated it, and now I don't know. So, anyways, head over to the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, leave five stars, and you can listen to that. We're going to post it wherever you get your podcast. Podcast only portion of the show it continues there. Cool, cool, cool. Podcast only portion of the show. Um, Joe Bo is back, like I mentioned, from his family cottage time. Yeah. So wholesome. So sweet. I know. Our young boy you know, <laughs> going out with his family and having himself a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I, I said it on the actual radio portion of the show. Um, NBA midseason tournament. Everybody's hating on it. Mm-hmm. What do they call it? The NBA Cup? Something like that? The NBA Cup? I don't even see that. I don't the, know. The yeah. There's like a man. midseason thing and. I saw some people just tweeting about it yesterday on hockey, and I went, yeah, all right. I'll Mm. I'll think about this. And my initial reaction, as always, is I hate change. (laughs) Change stinks. (laughs) Screw change. I'm not doing this. No, 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 no. I'm the worst for it. I hate it. I hate Mm -hmm. that um, I'm so resilient to change at times. Here's what I think is undeniable, though. If you have a single elimination tournament in the middle of the year Mm -hmm. and you're going to remove regular season games, why wouldn't you want that? Like, what? What? what is the case against? People are like, I won't care. The only thing, here's the only fan base that should legitimately care about it mm-hmm. and not want it is Toronto because if they won the mid-season cup year one, you know, oh. or they were dominant mid-season cup champions and then they were just never winning Stanley Cup, they, that makes it worse yeah. somehow. That makes it yeah. so much worse if Toronto was to win the mid-season cup. At oh, least won God. the regular season cup. No, it. it would be... I want to swear because it makes me feel <laughs> so sick. I saw it in your face. It makes you feel so sick <laughs> thinking about them winning it. So I would be torn because year one you wouldn't want them to win. Once they win a Stanley Cup, stack all the midseason cups yeah, you want. Exactly. I, but that's the point. No one thinks the NBA midseason tournament is ever going to be as meaningful as the NBA championship. Yeah. I will say this though: twenty years from now, like it's a long time. These leagues are going to continue twenty years from now. 20 years from now, who knows? You might feel like, hey, this is really important. This has been around for decades. This has hmm. been around for a full generation turnover. Yeah. If you're Jobo's age, you know, you're a wee child, then all you've ever known is growing up with the <laughs> mid-season tournament. So you might genuinely care about it. Like, at some point, like, again, I know international soccer. That's my – but at one point, like, what, what's the one called – is it FA Cup? The FA Cup. That was the most important one, right?
1: Yeah, FA Cup, yeah, and then now it's it's just secondary to the Premier League.
0: That's that's what I mean. Yeah, is it, it's just like things change. Time mm-hmm. changes things. So I don't think that it'll ever be more important than an NBA championship. It's yeah. more historical. It's Just it's North American sports. We're not going to turn into Europe, but at, but things do evolve. Sports mm-hmm. do evolve. And and here's what I will say about the NBA. As much as year one, that thing's going to get dunked on although it actually kind of won't because the sneaky part of this that not enough people are talking about, or maybe they are, I don't know. Mm. I, I was going to say, like, a pretend like I've been listening to the discourse. I been completely <laughs> uh, uninvolved. <laughs> is that this event is basically made for NBA media, where they get to show up, Las Vegas, have a hub, be at a tournament, hobnob, mm-hmm. you know, rub elbows and shoulders with the who's who of the NBA world and listen, we all know... I ain't sharing secrets out of school here. If there's one media group that is the clikiest, it's basketball. If there's one that thinks that they're the most important, it's basketball, <laughs> right? Yeah. Every sport has their guys and gals that, take it to a different level of self-import, but basketball is pretty freaking eye on the list. So yeah, having all those media members be there together, having a good time, yep. feeling important, being at the event, they're going to shine a positive light on it. They'll tell the story. Well, that's great. I yep. think for most part, fans aren't going to care about the Pistons playing, you know, the Hornets in the tournament, but maybe they will care about a single elimination game between Milwaukee and Boston. That's more interesting than just a regular mm-hmm. season game between the two. They just have to figure out with these tournaments, what are the stakes? Yeah. Like, is there going to be an additive stake? How many regular season games come out of this? Because I do think what would be the ultimate prize, which would be so, so awesome, because the players would care too, because maybe the salary allocation ends up going to them, is if you reward these teams with a little bit more cap space or cap, you know, because they're never going to care about a draft pick. Like, if you're like, oh, you get a compensatory pick, you can't do that in the NBA, you can't do it in the NHL. It's just yeah. too stupid. Players aren't going to play for that. But, like, Figure out a way to incentivize both the teams and the players. And I think that it should go beyond just extra cash, bonus money. Because yeah. you see that with the NBA All-Star game where guys are like, We're rich, man. Yeah. They're making- but if it can help the team win, where you go, hey, actually, you guys are gonna be able to be given another mid level exception next year. The winning team of the tournament gets a bonus mid-level mm-hmm. or, you know, five percent more cap space than the rest of the NBA. And it allows them to decide to allocate that to current players on the team or whatever. Like, yeah, now we're talking money plus team incentive too, because fans don't care if players get richer, too. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing. How are you going to make the fans care about this more? Yeah. But, yeah, I think we're all kind of this is a crap thing to say as someone who works in sports. But I think for the most part. We're kind of over 82 game schedules. I agree. 82 game schedules are becoming the way of the past where you're like, how much baseball is fine because it's every day in the summer. And it's like not up against anything for large portions of it. Mm -hmm. You can check out of a baseball season and check back in. I mean, the normies like not professionals like you guys, just so you know, that was not. Hey, Joe and Austin. Don't (laughs) worry. Just take some downtime. Dip out on MLB. Don't worry. Paying attention. But baseball, it's just easier to navigate 162. You don't need to feel as though it's as important. And it's always been that way. Yeah, It doesn't feel that way with hockey and basketball anymore. There's way too many games on the schedule where you go, oh, Raptors, Pistons on a Friday night. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> you think I'm going to commit to this? In the middle of January. Netflix just dropped, you know, or so Apple TV or whatever. No, Disney Plus just dropped season two of The Bear every episode. <laughs> that or I'm Pistons, it. Raptors. <laughs> like... Shut up. (laughs) When half the players are all managing and the other half are injured. The (laughs) players' parents would rather watch the bear than those things. So if you're going to add a mid-season tournament to this stuff, I'm just a little bit more receptive to it. We just need to get rid of the idea that everything is equal, that we're trying to create two championships here. It's like, it's not, but we need more stakes for the fans. Mm -hmm. And so hockey would need to figure out what those stakes are. But you're telling me that a hockey single elimination tournament wouldn't be dope in the middle of the year versus – Leafs Red Wings for the third time,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know Justin yeah. Hall's second appearance back in Toronto.
1: You're not excited for that.
0: The Red Wings decided to put James Reimer in net tonight because they playing. They're coming off a back to back. Like, come on, <laughs> let's be serious here. It would obviously be better. So everyone shut up, except for Leaf Fence, because you're allowed to live in fear of winning the regular season cup. Maybe the worst. Yeah. <laughs> that would put oh us God. into the gutter. First year Leafs regular season cup winners, never living that oh, down. Oh my goodness! You actually have to throw the championship game. Yeah, you do for the fans. No, you do. You got to be in the championship game, and you got to be like, take a dive for take, the fan sanity. Yeah, take you a have dive to throw it. Um, oh yeah, actually, eh, probably do later. More of this later in the week. But the Aho contract did come down. Mm. Oh no, wait, it's not done. It's just rumored to be right. We're still in rumor land. Yep. still. Just so rumor. I'll wait until that's actually rumor done. Land. I'll wait until that's actually done before. I give a take because I don't want things to shift. Anyways, all right, let's hit your guys' topics. We got to start with Austin. Yep. Austin. Austin's Titans. Austin Mackey, the Titans are. are, Austin, hold on, let me ask you a question. DeAndre Hopkins signs a two year, $26 million deal. Austin. Could go are up to the, $32 million. Are the Titans back? The Titans are so bad. <laughs> they have a pass
3: catcher now. Uh, now, Mike Vrabel is now relegated to number two all time on the career receptions list for the Tennessee Titans with 12. you got a new number one, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, it's <laughs> exciting. Um, I love D-Hop. I actually hated D-Hop
0: because he played in the Texans forever, and he used to kill us with Matt Schwab. No, oh, I hated those teams. But that's actually... This part of it is not – I haven't seen this any – I guess, like again, I'm. this is bad. I keep going like, I haven't seen this anywhere. It's like probably a million people have this take. But don't you love stealing the guy? Like, this is the Spetsa thing with Leaf fans. You know, you're stealing a guy that's super easy to root for and like from a divisional rival yeah, exactly. and sticking it to them. I don't know what it's like, how much you care about the Houston Texans, to be frank, because they've mostly been irrelevant – I mm. But I love the idea of you going out and being like, hey, Houston, you know how you loved this guy? Now he's going to score touchdowns against you week in, so you're week not, out. not
3: you're not an AFC South fan because Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson dominated that division for three years there for a yeah, little bit. Whatever. They, were, uh, <laughs> they beat the Bills in the playoffs, too. I, no, I hate Can the I be, Texans, man. They I they totally collapse. hate the Texans.
0: Yeah, but here's the thing, though, dude. You, I hate to say this to you. But yeah, you're the why, most irrelevant division in all of football. As soon as Peyton Manning left that division, and even when Peyton Manning was there, because he was just dunking on Andrew all Andrew Luck, he was pretty good. No, even as good as he was, he was always a bandaid, and they they only had like one year where they ever actually felt like contenders. And your but your division is it's all the ugliest jerseys, yeah. it's the lamest teams. The only team with actual pedigree in the division is the Colts. Like they're the only ones that actually carry weight around. Football fandom. The Jaguars are fun right now. No, but it, who cares? There's yeah. nothing There's nothing the Jaguars can ever do to yeah. be cool or relevant or interesting or, like, not a joke of a team. Like, they're called the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. It's just it's just not a thing. It's just never going to happen. So,
3: yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, we're very excited yeah. about it. <laughs> Great. Thanks, JD. Really happy to uh, talk, saying talk the rest to of you about this. this JD just but, uh, brought up to dunk yeah, on the yeah, whole yeah. division. Awesome. <laughs> awesome talk.
0: DeAndre I, Hopkins, really pumped. I do think, though, that the Titans are the second most respectable team in the division. I think yeah, that it goes. you Colts. said every team in the divisions ir- uh, irrelevant. It, basically, they are, but it yeah. goes. But it goes. Colts, Titans, Houston, Jags, and then Houston and the Jags kind of battle it out in yeah, a cute little flop. way for who flips and who flops. I think you gotta give Houston more respect. They were good for a little bit there. They, they made the playoffs consistently. You know, Houston's entire legacy is having a stud receiver. And then it not working out because they don't have the quarterback play. And then they finally got a QB, and then he turned out to be the world's worst guy, worst human. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. So there's a lot of reasons. To no, not no, like no. Him. I I don't have any respect for Houston. What I will say is I did watch an Andre Johnson highlight pack um, he over was the weekend. Sick. Yeah. Mm. And Colin Finnegan needs to shut him down, though. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, that's the, It's gotten that awesome scrap.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Andre, I mean, Andre Johnson was a bit of a bully there and used physical intimidation. That's yeah, wrong, Corlin Finnegan. <laughs> oh, I was going to say something. I get <laughs> canceled. This... Corlin Finnegan got in his head, and uh, Andre Johnson couldn't handle it. Oh, but uh, this is my biggest fear of the we're show. We're flying close to the this. No, but this here. is my
0: biggest fear of the show is that you get fire. You get Mackey all fired up, and there's like it's like perfect, 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 and then and then he just just destroys it. You yeah. know, he's on a roll, and then he's just. Oh, and now here's one more added joke, and then it's just over, and everything's awkward and gone, and we have to move on. Anyways, I obviously like the move for the Titans because you bring an elite pass catcher. That's the best thing you can do to develop a young quarterback, and the Titans have always been just you know a tough out. They didn't trade Derrick Henry. They didn't get rid of Ryan Tannehill. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Why not?
3: No, I mean, this isn't a long line of uh, Titans taking washed up receivers, though, right? Julio I don't think Jones. I he's washed up. I hope he's not washed up. But what, Julio what, what Jones, evidence is
0: there that he's washed up?
3: Uh, he wasn't great. His separation is fallen significantly from DBs. He doesn't get away from guys anymore. He's much more of a contested catch guy. Yeah, but he's amazing. His, his numbers at were down catch. last year. Now, that could be Kyler Murray being hurt, obviously. I don't know, man. I, I love think this the signing. numbers being down have more to do with the Cardinals. But it's Cardinals just more of the, the history of the Titans. Yeah. You know, Randy Moss ended his career here. Julio Jones didn't have a great year when no, he came. Uh, t-
0: Julio was done, and yeah, Julio, Julio was, was beat up year sure. over year over year. Hop, D-Hop got the suspension and then had to come back. Mm-hmm. I actually right?
3: forgot he got suspended. Yeah. You're right. I thought yeah. he got hurt. I no, compl- man. Yeah. you right. That's why he only played eight games Six last year. Six weeks suspension. You're right.
0: Yeah, Played nine games last right. year. No, I've always liked D-Hop. And I think D-Hop has a swagger to him, too, that he carries to other teams. And and I just like it that, like, okay, the AFC is obviously not wide open. Let's not yeah. let's not play. It's gonna be extremely difficult for them to be a nasty team in that division. <laughs> but you still have a coach that just is gutty and puts together good game plans to make it dirty yep. and make it close. And now all of a sudden you have a guy that can teach Traylon Burks things, mm-hmm. right? He's gonna help out your receiver room massively, who is a reliable target for Tannehill or for what's the name of the rookie again? Will, Will Levis. Levis. Will Levis. Ah, Malik right, Willis. i
3: him in OTAs. Though we haven't given up hope on Malik.
0: Oh yeah, that's. Hey, guess what? If that Malik Malik actually is the story.
3: Nightmare. Yeah, Malik Willis, <laughs> the guy who <laughs> yeah. does not throw passes to wide the receivers. Guy, the guy. I'll that play Josh Will Levis does. in OTAs.
0: The guy that passed Josh do- or got passed by Josh Dobbs. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. It's not no, great. Didn't not complete a idea. pass to a
1: wide receiver in his first game.
0: I kinda yeah.
3: wish if I'm being honest with you guys, like they and it's, the Titans never do. The Titans always win seven, eight, nine games. That's kind of the motto of the franchise. But I kinda wish they'd tank for Caleb Williams this year and I think if you get Caleb Williams, yeah, you, you were... reset the entire franchise. You, you're going to be good for 15 years. Yeah. I think this guy's special. So sure. that's the direction which the Titans have gone in. But if they weren't going to be able to trade Henry, if they weren't going to be able to trade Simmons, if yes. they weren't going to trade Tannehill, they had cap space. They had no receivers. You have to get Hopkins. That division
0: sucks. I think they can still win it. That's Go I mean. out
3: in the first round of the playoffs, baby. Woo!
0: The division <laughs> rots. You're yeah. going to have a Colts team with either a rookie quarterback or Gardner Minshew. Going to have Jags be the favorites. What does that tell you? The Jacksonville Jaguars going to be favorites. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, Trevor Lawrence popped sometimes, and I I went, ooh, Trevor Lawrence is really good. And then there were other times where just not, you know, and I I don't know, Calvin Ridley Jr. might be a great ad for them, but Mm -hmm. Etienne just sort of feels like the kind of guy, too, where he shows up one week and then he completely disappears and he's always a little banged up. I don't know. We'll see. Like, I have him as a keeper in my fantasy league, and I don't think I'm going to keep him. Mm. I think I'm gonna drop because I don't want to go through another year of the Etienne experience. Like, a little I bit of love, a it, love, it, love it, love it, love it. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And then Houston, obviously, like is continuously a dumpster fire. This is my my thing. You guys could not get below. You could not get below some of the other teams in football to be the number one tank team unless yeah. you went Malik Willis and traded a bunch of those guys that you mentioned. But apparently, no one wanted Derrick Henry, right? Because There's no they, values for running backs. That's anymore. what I mean. It's so like, they, they tried to shop him. I and got one for you, JD. Who's the highest Wait, paid running
3: back in the league right now?
0: Hold on. The highest paid running back in the league right now? CMC? No, Incorrect. I was going to say, didn't they franchise tag Tony pa- No, they... No, because Saquon hasn't signed no. yet. So when Saquon signs this will change. No, no, but, no, no, but
3: right now, who is the highest paid running back in the league?
1: It's not CMC.
0: No, I know. It's not Tony Pollard because Tony Pollard got franchise tag. It's not Alvin so Kamara. It's... So, t- hold on. Quiet. Quiet, Joe. <laughs> Tony Pollard franchise tag means he's aggregated the top five. Can't be him. But who just signed a contract? Who just got a deal? Who just got extended? I don't know. Who is it? It's Bijan Robinson, the Atlanta Falcons.
3: Drafted in the top 10. Can you I believe that? that? Really? I love that.
0: Wow. That's sick. Good for him. So
3: the whole running back position right now has been devalued uh, to, a, to a crazy extent, right? So you're not going to get yeah, anything yeah. for Derrick Henry
0: if you no, trade no, him. No, or, you're uh, not. But, and, and you know what else, too? I just mentioned to you. It, dude, there's something sweet about having your running back finish as your running back. Like having Marshawn Lynch be at Seattle all-star game this weekend where he's, you know, putting the home run chain around Vladdy's neck and he's like definitively a Seahawks guy, even though he did go to the Raiders at the end, like, but he just, he, he, he stayed a little too long. He stayed a little too long, but it was worth it. Like in the long run, it's worth it to keep your legends and have the cool legendary back. And Derrick Henry is that right now. Like. I don't think there's any running back in the last five years who you would rather had the prime of in terms of fun to root for than Derrick Henry. It's just way better watching the bruiser back run people over. And feel like you have the man amongst oh, boys. Oh,
3: yeah, and Joe, Like, Alvin Kamara.
0: Like, no, Alvin Kamara. You don't feel the same. Loser. Law. See,
3: I would say he...
0: Oh, loser. I, I, he's I love He's dork. Kamara. He wears the stupid nose ring, and he gets in trouble with the law. It's just like, more his
3: pass-catching ability, right? Like, he's so much yeah, more dynamic yeah, yeah. than someone like Derrick Henry. But I, I, I totally see... I totally <laughs> I'm see I'm in love years. with Alvin
1: Kamara, so I'm completely yeah. biased. And so his crimes? Whatever his crimes, he hits people uh, not, up. Okay, beat a guy up, all right? I, yeah, exactly.
3: I, uh, not
0: criminal.
1: He is going to be suspended in the
0: first thing of September. That he gets
1: suspended criminal. That.
3: He's gonna get suspended for that. No, but criminal. I think you're absolutely right. I, I do think like, and that happened with the Titans with Eddie George. That ha, that the exact opposite happened with the Titans and Steve McNair. My heart was yeah. broken seeing Steve McNair and his career on the Baltimore Ravens. We don't yeah. have to talk about after JD. Please do not. So I, I totally.
0: He's on the
3: Do you What's think? What's uh, happening now? Would you want to see that with Russell Wilson? Like, would you want to see Russell Wilson return to the Hell Seahawks? no, I hate yeah, it. Yeah, you're done with him. Yeah. Of course. He can rot. <laughs> okay. Sherman. There's if nothing... Sherman had gone back to the Seahawks, would you have wanted that instead yep. of him ending his career in the Bucs? So yeah, for sure. And no, he...
0: there's something to be said for that, for sure. Yeah, but I like never trading him too and going for one more ride. I don't mind it. Yeah. I just think that the Titans are the same team. They're going to be gutsy. They're going to have Tannehill be gutsy. They're going to have Derrick Henry and they're going to have now D Hop. They're an mm-hmm. old team, but their defense is good. They're well coached. You got Simmons. Like, You're just going to be a tough out. Yeah. Do I think you're going to win a Super Bowl? Absolutely not. But if you win your division and you get into a playoff game and you're facing the Baltimore Ravens again and you already beat them. I I just think that winning a playoff game is way more fun than being the team that finishes with like six wins. Five. wins, Yeah. You know, and and I don't know how much Hopkins is going to change that. I'm just saying like. I'd rather go in the direction once you, the, the thing you said, 100 percent correct. If you would have told me, "Hey, the Titans are going to try to bottom out; they're going to be the worst team in football; they're going to try and go for Caleb Williams," I would have said, "Hell yes, I wanted that." The year that Seahawks actually drafted Russell Wilson, I was <laughs> so pissed because they ended up with a better. <laughs> when they <record>. signed Matt <laughs> Flynn, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up ha- drafting Russell Wilson. The rest was history. But I wanted Andrew Luck. I wanted it to suck for Luck. I get it. I understand wanting to go get Caleb Williams. I felt the same way about the Seahawks when they had Geno Smith winning most improved player and me going, no, this sucks. We're not going to win anything. But then you get in a playoff game and you're watching playoffs and you go, we weren't going to be the worst. We just weren't. You yeah. weren't going to be as bad as the Houston freaking Texans were. Like, you could not match that. You're too well coached. Yeah. And Even that, the Colts are going to be horrible this and that's, year, too. That's it, man. It's just...
3: No, it's a good point I think high back... in
0: every fantasy league is going to be uh, Anthony Richardson. Oh, oh my yeah, god! Yeah. Oh yeah, he's, he's going to go so high. In I think he's going to be like the fourth quarterback taking him. No, he's, this league, it's going to be he's, insane. He's going to be the biggest screw up pick because it's he. She's going to for sure make up for it with the rushing yards. Yeah. But there is no first of all, Gardner Minshew knows that offense, and it's his coach from Philly that's there now, Steichen. Mm-hmm. Anyway, blah, blah, blah We're getting too deep in the weeds in football right now But yeah, <laughs> guess what? Hey, guess what? We're excited Quarterback Football's started, <laughs> quarterback started the, uh, Hopkins signed Yeah And August is around the corner Eight more weeks I, can, I know Eight it's like more football, weeks hey, football, is football is back Hashtag back uh, but, Shout
3: out Argos too Big win on Friday It's yeah, time Argos, football being back dude, Argos, Argos, Argos are yeah, Argos the team are in Toronto wagon. right now Yes
0: God, I love the Argos so much <laughs> Truly, truly, truly love the Argos Have not missed a game yet Really? No nope. Oh, wow, eh? All four uh, games I, clocked. I missed Not the stuck start. to finish. Yeah. Oh, but, okay. But I've seen good chunks of all four games now, mm-hmm. which I think is a good. You're on th- the pulse. Yeah. Oh, I love the Argos, yeah. but they are gonna get so. Screwed over by NFL. <laughs> it's so every, every,
3: no, I'm exactly no, this guy. Every, good, good. I'm in the CFL, then September hits and it's like, oh yeah, First the CFL's on. Game
0: I'm going to be like, oh yep. my God, 100%. the boys are back. The Seahawks are playing the preseason. Yeah, hundred percent. No question. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right. Let's talk about a couple other things for it. We got the, time for one or two more.
1: Yeah. The massive story over the weekend was Steph Curry, obviously winning the celebrity golf tournament, hit a hole in one, had that huge pot on the 18th hole to actually win the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, it's kind of funny. The, the big reaction I saw from that is like, Oh my goodness. Like how is he so good at golf and basketball? Yeah. Are you surprised at all that no. a guy that athletic is good at another sport and can win a tournament in no.
0: celebrities? I think that the, I think that he's clearly got just incredible depth perception and feel. Mm-hmm. And so golf just feels like a natural. His touch is incredible sport. He's yeah. got great touch. Yeah. Um, I am a little surprised that it's like, and I know Tony Romo could have finished higher on a different day, but it's like the amount of times that we've heard about Tony Romo for him to be eighth and for him to be first. Um, I'm not surprised at all by Steph. What I'm, I'm more interested in is I heard Adam Stanley on the morning show today with uh, my yeah. boys guns <laughs> and Sam say that it was bigger for golf than Rory winning the Scottish open. And I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. Like why? First of all, if you're anybody who doesn't play golf and you see Steph Curry hit that shot and you see how fun that is, mm-hmm. And what a joyous moment it was for him. His reaction hit the hole in one. That would make me want to play golf. Yeah. It wouldn't be watching the stuffy hypocrite Win mm-hmm. a golf tournament I didn't watch and just like celebrate just with a golf but it's like spunk. golf fans are watching the golf yeah you know it's it, there's no one stepping into that silo going I normally would have never watched this Scottish now I'm watching it's like no duh that's bigger for golf <laughs> yeah like obviously it is but it's a brilliant take by Stanley like just to have that ready in the chamber in the mm-hmm. morning and just like shoot that at seven forty or whatever right a to m. start like, the week yeah right in Gunning's Rory loving heart. <laughs> 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 just sing it right yeah, at him. Just blasted him with it. Right oh. Guns is all excited right about his guys. It's like, bang, no. Yeah, I'm not surprised Steph Curry's good. And I don't know. I just, yeah. yeah. Are are you a golfer at all? Not really. I like that. Really? I told you, disc golf. Disc golf. Yeah. Ball golf was too expensive, man. I was broke for years and mm. years and years. And it's like the golf culture I was not a big fan of either.
1: I'm just bad at it and I get mad too quickly. I know. <laughs> so I'll miff my fourth shot of the day and I'm like, this game sucks. And then mm-hmm. I'll hit one halfway decent shot and I'm like,
0: we're so back. Um, The sport's back. Let's wrap this up. Let's wrap up and we'll save some other stuff when Simon's back tomorrow. Sounds good. And then. Yeah, no Jays game tonight, which is kind of weird after you come back from yeah. the All Star Break. to have a night off immediately. There should be an Argos game tonight. They blew it. Yeah, should be watching Argos. Well, Miami we came back football. from the All Star Break. Hot I do, sweep, I do then... hate when people have that take
3: where it's like, oh, there's no MLB All Star games on the Art. They just put CFL games. It's like, yes, yeah, so the guys should just play with two days rest, three days rest. Like it's yeah. still football. You can't just turn it around that yeah. quickly and turn their bodies around and be like, hey, yeah, there's no sports on, guys. Get out there, play. Come Austin's on, not hot. the Elks. <laughs> it's Elks. like what? So we all want to talk about the how Elks they're not. have lost assets. what 20 home games in a row now. Yeah, Elks. No, that's actually horrible for the league like that's well, not, yeah, that's, uh, not really like, oh, huge... that's not funny like Edmonton's like
0: funny. Oh, okay Oh, sorry. Sorry purist. Uh, yeah, it is pretty funny 20 home games in a row is the no Because like
3: Edmonton if they don't get people yeah. in
0: that building the league could shut down because they're huge
3: for revenue Yeah, so it's it's bad. It's Chris Jones get it together, buddy figure mm-hmm. it out That's the longest they picked such game. a
0: horrible name when they change names yeah, that this did. is the curse.
1: You this think so? The oh, yeah. The Elks is bad. They, they, they did it because they wanted Elks? to keep the EE brand. Yeah.
0: And it's... There's, there's Elks in Alberta. Ed, well, yeah, Ed, there, there Edmonton is. Elks rolls off the tongue. <laughs> n- like, like a, like a knife. <laughs> it scrapes off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. it, that cuts your tongue on the way Edmonton out. Edmonton Elks. What team do you play for? The Elks. What no. is that? It's a club for old men. Not a football team. Anyways. All right. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for viewing. Share it. If you want to play Botano, hit me up. See you soon.